Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 21 of the Red Light Hockey Podcast. And today, we got a new member of the crew. He's joining us. His name is Chad. I did a really good interview with him earlier this week, but that interview will be airing at a later time. Uh, I guess you could almost call it a job interview of some sorts. <laughs> sure. Uh, so yeah, welcome to the show, Chad. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Excited to be here. You know, it's awesome. uh should be good. It's 60 degrees here in California, so I'm just going to rub yeah. that in your guys' face every day, <laughs> Yeah, yeah every yeah. time. <laughs> and we got everybody's favorite Torontonian. We got Uncle Paul or P. Daddy or whatever you want to call him. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good until that intro. <laughs> <laughs> what, you don't like being from Toronto? I'm not from Toronto, just to clarify for everybody to know. And I don't hate goalies. Uh, yeah, he hates goalies and he's from Toronto. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, moving on, moving on. So this week was a good week in hockey. There was lots of stuff going on. The NHL's back. It's in full force. Uh, there was a few rumors. We're going to get into that. We did. I did a couple interviews this week, so we got a couple good interviews on tap for this episode. Um, so right off the bat, there's some drama. Uh, Matt Tuchuk, he's trying, he's kind of whining and going after goalies and people don't like it. Uh, so I guess we can get right into Matt Tuchuk this week. What do you guys think of the whole Matt Tuchuk drama? Uh, we'll start off first with the, with the muzzin puck flip and then him having his tantrum, smashing a stick, slamming the door in Giordano's face and just complete raging on the bench. What, what's your thoughts on all this? Uh, Paul, I don't know if you've seen it. I actually haven't seen any of it, unfortunately. Um, okay. But, yeah, I haven't heard into it or, or read into it or anything. So, I mean, I saw the muzzin. I saw the puck flip. I don't know what they expected Kachuk to do there. Like, of course you're going to go at him if someone flips a puck at you after the game is over. That's wildly disrespectful. Uh, as far as everything else, I don't think, you know, that's who Kachuk is. Like, what do you – That's that's what he does. You can't get mad at – you know, a dog for barking. It's who he is. I, I I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that if this guy played on your team, you would love it. And I mean, slamming the door in Giordano's face is one thing. That's something you don't want to see, but heat of the game, heat of the battle, it happens. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to before that. And I think either the previous game that he did land on um, Toronto's goalie uh, Campbell's back and need him in the head which I, think, I feel like a lot of Toronto fans were upset about. There was a knee to the head. And then later he got injured, a complete, complete unrelated injury, but Toronto fans are angry about that. So I think that has a lot to do with what's going on there. Yeah, Toronto fans are just angry because they're I was angry. just going to say that. Yeah, yeah they're just, they're just mad. You know, they're you just know. an angry folk in general. Yeah, like the it's, you know, being West Coast, it reminds me of Evander Kane, like, you know, the country and everyone sees a lot of Evander Kane, you know, jabbing goalies in the midsection, but they don't see his goals and the grit he gives you on power plays. And, you know, there's a lot to Kachuk's game that I think goes unnoticed. You need a guy like that. You absolutely do. Is he a little over the top? Sure. <laughs> but you need that guy. So I don't have a problem with it. It's the kind of thing where if it happens to your team, you might be a little salty, but if he's on your team, you love him. So I don't That's know. Fair. I just... And then on Thursday, he uh, he ran Carey Price, and then he got the crap beat out of him, which was hilarious to watch. Yeah, uh, Ben Chirot dropped the gloves with him, and then in like 20 seconds, Chuck was turtled in the net crying. So 
that was always good to watch. And as a Habs fan, to see the Habs actually stand up for their goalie for once. It's something that I haven't seen Montreal do in a long time. Mm-hmm. Chris um, Kreider. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, Tuchuk's just being Tuchuk. I mean, it's come to expect that. And I feel like this, as the season progresses, it's only going to get worse or better, depending on which side of hockey you like. Just now it's looking like a bunch of little mini playoff series. So it's I mean, has the really... Battle of Alberta, has that happened yet? No. Yeah, see, I mean, that's going to be the biggest story, and that hasn't even happened oh, yet. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> or, yeah, I feel like the Battle of Alberta or the Leafs and Habs, those are, those are going to be the two big series to watch Yeah, when they happen. Yeah, it'll be interesting because the this season is going to be so tight, I think, in every division, just because you're playing everybody two games in a row, and it's hard to beat a team two times in a row, you yeah. know, and you're only playing the same few teams. That's going to be brutal. It's going to be a fun season, especially in the North Division, because, you know, y'all don't play each other that much usually. So it'll be fun to see. But, yeah, there's not going to be a lot of separation, I don't think, between the worst team in the NHL and maybe not that, but the worst team in a division, best team in a division. It's not going to be more than probably 15 points Yeah, you know, no, compared to regular season where it's 25-30. I feel like yes and no. I feel like some divisions are going to have some teams – that will not be able to keep up with everybody else that are just going to be terrible. Uh, I feel like the North might have one of those teams, at least looking that way so far with Ottawa. Yeah. The central might have two of those teams actually that are just going to be way at the bottom and that being Detroit and Chicago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think those, uh, those three teams, I think in their respective divisions are going to be just terrible. Mm-hmm. I thought that for the Pacific or the West for a while, <laughs> then I realized that there's four of those teams. And they have to play each other. So, like, they're going to yeah. end up being somewhere, like, in the middle. Exactly, so it's right? It's going to be a big thing. Yeah. Um, actually, before we continue on, too, I wanted to officially welcome you to the podcast and the whole team mm-hmm. and, the, and the family and everything. Uh, for our listeners, again, this is airing before your actual interview comes out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for our listeners, you want to just give us a little bit of a background on yourself so they kind of know who you are? Yeah. So, once again, I'm Chad Oakland Jolin. I'm from California. I grew up a Sharks fan and I work in hockey media. So I worked for the San Jose State hockey team as a broadcaster. I've worked around the San Jose Barracuda, the AHL affiliate of the Sharks. And I've just kind of spent, you know, my life in the fabric of San Jose hockey with youth hockey and pretty much all up throughout professional. So, yeah, my specialty is definitely the West Coast (laughs) and the Western Division is what I pay more attention to, predominantly probably the AHL, which is very niche. And I understand that. (laughs) But, um, yeah excited to talk hockey you know awesome not a lot out here <laughs> yeah and we brought we brought you on mainly because we think you're going to be our um our i don't know our version of a of a paul bisonette on a smaller version of the podcast <laughs> sounds good <laughs> um, so, yes welcome to the team we're really happy to have you uh Absolutely. we don't have owen here this week uh i'm not sure what's going on there and josh is busy celebrating his mother's birthday so we all want to wish him his mom a happy birthday um, and then also going into world and some stuff going on right now, I have a surprise for you guys. It's uh, one of Paul's favorite segments that we do on the show from time to time. Uh, it's kind of a welcome to Chad. So I'm going to ask you guys a series of five questions and it's, uh, it's hockey trivia. All right. So I asked you the question and then you each get a guess and then whoever gets it right gets a point. Got it. Right now, Owen is the reigning champion, but he's not here to defend his title, so 
Good luck to you guys. Sounds so, good. First question. How many shorthanded goals did the Nashville Predators allow in 2013-2014 season? Answer A, 36, B, 8, C, 0, or D, 2? Uh, eight. I'm going to go zero. Here's eight. Uh, and oh, here's zero. Yes. One point for Chad. What did the Florida Panthers fans throw on the ice during the 95-96 season? Catfish, rats, lobsters, or octopi? Plastic rats. One, one. In what round of the NHL draft did the Columbus Blue Jackets select Cam Atkinson? First, sixth, fourth, and third. Sixth. Fourth. Oh, wow. Six. Two, two. All right, this one's for all the money. Which player was suspended 25 games for a hit on Chicago's Marianne Hosa? Ralphie Torres. And Chad wins. (laughs) (laughs) Not that was that, that was this week's hockey trivia. <laughs> um, no Eddie Shore. Come on. You got to give me at least one. Oh, yeah. No, it's because in the earlier times when we were playing it, uh, every second question had Eddie Shore as an answer. <laughs> that or there was another one. It was always Wayne the Plane Gretzky instead of just, mm-hmm. you know, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. It was Wayne always, the they always had a title as Wayne the Plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, you're also talking with the AHL and how you're dealing with the AHL. So the the Barracuda this week, they had to stop a game mid-game for COVID. Yeah. Do you want to kind of talk about that? Yeah, last night. So it was uh, Saturday night. They played the Henderson Silver Knights, who are the new affiliate of the, obviously, the Golden Knights. Have, you know, not to editorialize, but terrible logo. I just want to say they have chrome <laughs> helmets and a weird logo. I don't I don't really like it, although Las, Las Vegas is a cool town to have hockey, most definitely. But um, – yeah, weird. But they uh, they stopped the game in between the second and third period. So it was one nothing Silver Knights going into the third, and they stopped the game because of COVID protocols. So I assume they got a test back, and one of the Barracuda players tested positive. But um, And the Knights have had all of their problems where the entire AHL coaching staff had to coach the Golden Knights a few games because the NHL coaches all got COVID. So it is kind of a crazy situation. Dave England was actually coaching the Silver Knights. So he retired last year. and has already have a head coaching gig in the <laughs> AHL. So, I mean, good for him. But, uh, yeah, it stopped. And that's kind of all that ha- – that's all I know is just that the game stopped and that it was someone from the Barracuda side. But, I mean, it, it's going to be an interesting season. Getting through this hockey is, you know, contact sport, very close proximity. And I think it'll be easier in the NHL because players are so much more, it's so much higher stakes and players are viewed more. I don't know how to say it in the correct way, but almost viewed more as assets where it's like, no, you can't leave. This is going to, and you know, and the AHL, it's a little bit different. You don't have the same accommodations. You don't have the same chartered flights. It's a lot of buses. It's a lot more of that type of stuff. So who knows what it's going to end up looking like. You know, we'll we'll have to see. I mean, San Jose just opened up again for teams to play in it. So there hasn't even been a hockey game in San Jose. So that just happened. I noticed in one of the divisions, I think in the East, uh, one of the Eastern divisions, there's like only three teams playing in it. 
Yeah, they play each other 15 times. Yes, <laughs> each team crazy. plays each other 15. Yeah, and then, like, I think I think it's, like, 15 times in a row, too, each one. Yeah, it's, like, Bridgeport and Rockford or something. So yeah, Bridgeport, Rockford, and, yeah. I know Brid- Bridgeport's one of them. I think it's Bridgeport, Wilkes-Barre, and Rockford or one of those. Yeah, like that. pl- that's crazy. It's going to be, I like, that. Freaky Friday or something going on. Yeah. Those players are going to be like, well, <laughs> And so the Western division of the AHL is already like that because it's so removed from the East that we don't play out of division. The Barracuda usually play one or two out of division series a year. They'll play the Iowa Wild and the Texas Stars. But other than that, they're all in the Western division. So you play all the teams eight or ten times. And so it, it's already kind of used to it. Is Stockton normally in the West? Yeah. Yeah, Stockton's okay. in the West. They're so the Stockton's going to, yeah, because Stockton's going to Canada now, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, for this year, I believe it was Stockton was going to Canada, so they can be going up and down the Calgary mm-hmm. this year. And sense. I believe um, probably Vancouver's, Bakersfield too. But, yeah, Bakersfield, I believe we're doing that, yeah. and I believe Vancouver's affiliate as well. Uh I don't know. Vancouver's affiliate, I don't think, is in the West. I'd have to check, but I don't believe they are. I might. Is it Utica? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's they're, they're, not, they're that. not in the West, but wherever they are, they're also going to yeah. Vancouver, mm-hmm. which is causing a weird uh, realignment. So I guess the Canadians are going to have their own like little Canadian bubble as well for the AHL. Yeah, are there are there Eastern Canadian AHL teams? Are yeah, there Montreal, some out there? Montreal's teams in Montreal and Toronto's teams in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. but and Ottawa's yeah. teams in uh, is in Belleville, which is just outside of Ottawa. It's like mm-hmm. forty five minutes from Ottawa. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, no, the Western Division should be good this year, and uh, they're adding the Palm Springs team as well when um, Seattle comes into the league. Okay. So Palm Springs will have a team as well. So there's going to be, quick count, seven teams in California in the AHL. About. I feel like if I was an AHL player, the West would be a nice place to be. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. There there are places in the West that aren't great. Don't get me wrong. Like. Not that I wouldn't want to live in Bakersfield. That's just me. But um, there are some there are some great places out here for sure. Especially you're living in San Diego. That's a, come on. <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice gig for the goals down there. So, yeah. This may me sound like an idiot, but for the longest time, I thought Ontario was actually Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's <laughs> and down. then I, I just realized that Ontario is actually Ontario, California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's all in the L.A. area. The L.A. area is massive. And there's like, if you want to count professional and minor league sports teams, I bet there's about 20 or 25. There are a lot, a lot of sports down there. So, wow. yeah, it's because uh, if you include Anaheim and you include Orange County and you include all that, there are a lot of teams, not to mention Disneyland and all that. Yeah. Stuff. So, so it, you're, you're from California. Here's something I, I have always wondered. I'm assuming a lot of our listeners probably wonder, too. Mm-hmm. Would you consider Anaheim a Los Angeles team or Anaheim? Yeah. So in California, it's Anaheim, but nationally they're Los Angeles. I mean, Anaheim, the, it, they're 30 minutes apart. So they're not, it's not very far. And um, there are kind of a, uh, you know, cause there are the ducks, the angels and those teams that are in Anaheim. So, but I mean, the, the angels are the Los Angeles angels of Anaheim. So right. it's that, that's that's why I always wondered that. So yeah. it's kind of like to put it through a Canadian perspective. It's kind of like how uh, Oshawa's Toronto and Markham is Toronto and yeah, Hamilton's sure. Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like it. Yeah, it's not. 
yeah, it's it's a Southern California team is how I look at it because Southern California is basically just L.A. and San Diego for sports. Okay. And, you know, Northern California kind of starts at San Jose. So that's pretty much where – how I draw the line. But, yeah, the, the hockey down there is good. There's a lot of teams down there. So it's a, it's a fun time. We traded yeah, the team, actually, like last week, the Sharks and Barracuda did. Yeah. So, yeah. This is something I always wondered. Um, and also, yeah. We were talking about you just mentioned trades. There's a couple of trade rumors I've been uh, kind of going around. Um, so Victor Mete for has asked for a trade allegedly, um, but here, here's something interesting that uh, Josh, one of our other co-hosts, just texted me before we started. So Pierre LeBrun said that the whole Mete thing is fake, but his colleague is saying it's not fake. So I wonder, <laughs> Pierre LeBrun's colleague. Yeah, so like okay. well, another guy, the guy at TSN who initially said the rumor was out there, said it was said, said the rumor, but then Pierre Lebrun's like, no, it's not, it's not a real rumor. So two TSN guys are contradicting each other for the whole Mete thing. So I wonder what's going on there. Um, now Sam Bennett, he asked for a trade, and then also, and then Vince Dunn apparently apparently might be getting traded to Ottawa or Detroit. Well, uh, Pittsburgh had a deal in place for Dunn, and then Rutherford left because he was frustrated due to being declined so many trades by management, apparently. By Pittsburgh management? Yes. Interesting. He, so that, he that's he wanted why he to move. Uh, that's what I've been reading that he's that he's gone to them for several trades, and they said no, that's not happening. I mean, he was kind of becoming a senile old man. Yes, and actually, if you Very bring much. up Rutherford stuff, so we're going to talk about that after. Um, but yeah, so what, what do you guys think about the Dunn potentially being traded? I don't understand why you're trading another defenseman there. I mean, you are you lost Petrangelo in the offseason. You get Krug, but that it just seems like seems like kind of blowing it up when you don't need to. Is Dunn signed? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. yeah. For how yeah. long? One year. One point eight seven five. So I'm wondering if it's almost like he wants too much money next year. Oh, he wants money for sure. He's young and good. So that's so why there it? was yeah. there was so much uh, talk earlier with him because – and that's why it took so long to, for them to sign him. Yeah, so I wonder if it's almost like they, want, they don't want to give him up for free. Yeah, I mean, he's signed through next season though. No, just this season. Yeah. Oh, just this season. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Right, yeah. And then, then he's in RFA. He's in RFA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I don't understand why they, like, signed Scandella to such a big contract. Like, I feel like Dunn's going to be better than Scandella, in my opinion. Easily. So, I feel like – but, anyway, that's just my opinion. I don't know. Scandella might They're also – teams like that are also kind of strange because you can tell teams that were built for championships – and, and St. Louis kind of – not that they weren't built for it, but they kind of lucked into a championship. So now their contract situation is kind of – it's it's abnormal for what you usually see after like a dynasty or a run to the cup where they have all these contracts where you're like, oh, this guy hasn't gotten paid at all. <laughs> he needs he needs his first big contract. So, yeah, you know, that's why you see the guys like Petrangelo taking off. And it's just interesting to see how it's kind of an alternate reality where they're coming down from a cup run, but they're still comp- competitive. So Exactly. To me, Plus, I feel like you got to think expansion draft as well as coming up, and they may not want to lose him in that. Well, that, I think also, I think um, Montreal media was talking about this. I feel like that might be a reason why a lot of the UFAs in Montreal aren't signed yet 
because I think they're going to like, they have like maybe may might have deals already like under the table done, but they're not going to sign until after the expansion draft to leave them unprotected. But then now they're still protected. Mm-hmm. It's like a shiesty way of kind of getting away from protection. Yeah. I don't. How does the expansion draft work for an RFA? If they pick an RFA, can another team still offer sheet him? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, if he's an RFA, so let, let's say I'll use Vince then because I have him open. Yeah. So let's say um, the expansion draft happens and then the Seattle picks done. Well, they qualify him. So then he's, he has to stay, stay with Seattle. But then other teams could offer sheet him and then they have to give up the compensation to get him. If, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And Seattle still can take UFAs. It's just they can only take 10. Yeah. 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 They, yeah. And also they have to like, it's gambling the player and I'm resigning with the team because yeah, yeah. Well, and they have to hit the salary floor too, so you have to take yeah. some contracts. Yeah, right. But they can they can do that in the off season if they really want yeah. to. Like if you want to talk like, I know it's a video game, but like for example, NHL 21, you can just sign some random nobody to a stupid one year deal to hit the floor if you have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but that again. happens in the NBA all the time. That's what Sharks fans are hoping for. We'll see. <laughs> take some of our yeah. contracts. <laughs> Exactly. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, I mean, I bet you Seattle would love to take Timo Meyer if you're handing out contracts. <laughs> no. It wouldn't shock me if the Sharks didn't protect the three defensemen, though, and just see see if they'll yeah. take either Vlasic Burns or I don't think they'll do it to Carlson. But Which, which goalie do you think they protect? <laughs> I don't think they should protect either. Um, <laughs> Actually, I Probably. think they have, to, they have to protect Jones, I think. Yeah. So, Jones, and what happens with a – how does it – with AHL? And is it how, is it goalies in the system, or do they have to yeah. have played NHL time? It's goalies in the system, but you can only protect so, one. Yeah. You can only so protect – oh, I bet they protect one of their young guys then. Yeah, they could protect a 22-year-old. I think – one sec. I'm going to pull up uh, – I'm on a cap friendly right now. I'm going to pull up – he, the Sharks, I'm pretty sure Jones has a no-movement clause, which oh, means yeah. that, that no, means they have doesn't. to protect oh, him. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah, so they have to protect Jones. Well, that's Unless nice. he waves it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. A change of scenery might do him good. He still has flashes of being a good goalie. I don't yeah. know. But he just, after that cup run, he's never been even really adequate. <laughs> so we'll see what ends up happening. But um, – like I said, the Sharks could protect the young goalie, Alexi Malinkin. Mal- 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 I don't even know how they to They have a few. They could, they could protect Koronosh. They could protect Zachary Lamond. They could protect a few. That's but, assuming Jones doesn't wave yeah. the movement clause. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know yeah, what will happen. I don't know who would – maybe a team with a young goalie would want Jones as a backup. He would be a high-priced backup, but it wouldn't be bad if you have your first goalie on a rookie contract. But yeah. – um, other than that, I mean, Dubnik was a guy they brought in, and I mean, they the goaltending just hasn't been good. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, 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 and it makes it tough when you have, you know, decent players at the other levels. Not that the Sharks would be competing. Don't get me wrong, but having a good goalie back there definitely makes a big difference. But we'll see. The it'll be interesting to see. A lot of big names are going to be up for this expansion draft. You look yeah, at the contract situations. There seems like there's going to be some. Like premier guys, especially with the flat cap, mm-hmm. yeah, be wild. Mm-hmm. No pun intended to the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so I guess you all, we, we're talking about the Rutherford stuff. So what do you guys think about the whole Jim Rutherford resigning and everything going on there? Uh, we'll send over to Paul first. I think Pittsburgh should be happy, especially their scouts, because scouts were frustrated with him already trading away their first pick every year. So you're, you may finally get some prospects into the um, system, which is great for Pittsburgh because they don't really have any young good players right now. Uh, and Rutherford, like you said, he was getting old. He didn't even know that he gained money in the deal that he made this offseason. <laughs> How could you what? be a GM with all the people that you have around you and think, oh, yeah, I saved money, and then bring in uh, Michael Matheson and Connor um, Colton Sevier and think, oh, I saved money, when you actually lost a couple hundred thousand or whatever it was. What are your thoughts on this all, this whole situation, uh, Chad? I mean, fall from grace, I don't know. It, it, There's a lot that hasn't come out here. I don't think you can really fault a guy for how much success he's had. Like, you know, he, it, it's going down, but, yeah. I mean, I don't know what you're really going to say. Man has a whole bunch of Stanley Cups. He built probably the team of the 2010s. I mean, the Bruins are up there as well, but. That's got to be the best team of the 2010s. I think Chicago was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Early. Forgot forgot about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else you need from him is, is, I guess, what I'm saying. People are, you know, not having prospects is great, but he also has Stanley Cups. I think that's a trade that any GM or any fan yeah. base would take. Yeah, I you mean, know, look, at, look at Chicago. Has a cup. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, like, you look at Chicago – I don't think people are – there are people coming for Stan Bowman's head for sure. But, oh, yeah. you know, I think that having Keith Kane and Taves under contract is fine because he won three cups. So, yeah. I think it's a trade-off that most people would make. Yeah. So. I mean, if you want to go by that too, if you look at it, I think Peter Shirelli also has a cup too, and he's not exactly the most uh, respected GM in the league. So, <laughs> Yeah, you can luck into one, but you can't luck into – that many and that much sustained success there's got to be you're cooking with something if you have it right. good for that long you know anyone right. can luck into one but, but he also, that's he, not true but someone can he, luck into one <laughs> he, he also has crosby right like, yeah. yeah but that is one big difference maker that i feel like he did luck into crosby and malkin which helped a lot yeah but you know you can also yeah. have you traded for guys you got you know you didn't really build much through the draft but you know ending yeah. up there yeah, it's as much a part of the GM, not as much as the head coach, but GMs are wildly important. You know, I yeah, mean, yeah, they set the direction for the entire organization most of the time. I feel like they like, he built a good team, and like you can't you can't expect a team to be that good for that long unless you're like the Montreal Canadiens from the whenever they were created to like the nineties. Mm-hmm. But that like until like the new the the salary cap era and the draft era. You keep, like post post cap era, like in this era, you can't expect your team to be that good for that long. Mm-hmm. Cause like there's money to be factored in. There's a bunch of other things, right? There's and if you look at, yeah. If you look at pre cap and like the old way it was teams like Montreal and Toronto were good for so long, just because they like, for one, they like could spend all the money they want to and not worry about it. Yeah. For two Montreal had like in the draft, 
there's the NHL draft, but every French Canadian player born in Quebec or Atlantic Canada, or sorry, every Quebec born player didn't have to go to the draft. They can just go straight to Montreal, mm-hmm. which helped that team a lot. And then yeah. Atlantic Canada all went to the Bruins and all of Ontario went to Toronto. Right. So that kind of like made a lot of other teams that didn't get those benefits kind of hurt. Mm-hmm. But yeah, times have changed. I think, I think the Pittsburgh fan base have been spoiled. And that might be why they're so angry about him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, one of my one of my friends, he's a big Pittsburgh fan, and he he's trying to tell me that the Penguins are still a contender this year. It wouldn't shock me. <laughs> it, it, just, it's you can't you can't bet against them. I mean, no. you can't like if no. if because you know they're gonna. I mean, you don't know, but I think they're gonna be in the playoffs, right? And once you're in the playoffs, it's quite literally anybody's game. Hockey, probably more so, except for maybe baseball in the big four sports. Probably hockey is the most, who knows, because it's all about a goalie. It's all about getting hot. It's all about injuries. It's, you know, everything's so shaken up by the time that first playoff game gets here that doesn't really matter. I mean, look at Montreal last year, making it barely make it into the playing round, knocking out Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Yep. Perfect example of the parody. Mm-hmm. And then right now, I think it's the perfect time to send it over to our first interview with uh, Chief Warrant Officer Wayne Lundrigan. Uh, he's artillery, like myself. Um, we spoke a lot about the Kingston Cup, which is a really old hockey tournament, a uh, really awesome tournament that we do here where I am right now. And we spoke about the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so, and I'd like to remind all of our listeners that this interview is isn't really sponsored, but I guess we're going to remind you all to donate to charity this is a charity that we stand behind it's a dog rescue it's where i got one of my dogs um and yeah so if you want to donate to this dog rescue it's the border collie rescue they're halls haven border collie rescue based out of uh, gimli manitoba and you can you can donate by sending them an e-transfer for canadians and the transfer address is admin at hallshaven.org so that spelled out is a d m i n at halls h u l l s h-a-v-e-n dot org um we'll also attach the email to their to our episode link on instagram and twitter so yeah if you want to donate to that it'd be really appreciated thank you all ladies and gentlemen i am very excited to welcome chief warrant officer wayne lundrigan to the red light hockey podcast how are you doing today sir and welcome doing to the red good. Light hockey We're podcast. In the hat, as you can see <laughs> So a battery, best battery. Battery <laughs> always. Well, it's the senior battery, so by, by seniority, it's the best battery. Uh, and I was being some there, so uh, by far the best battery. Could not agree more. Happy to be here, by the way. Thanks for having me. No problem. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, as you may have assumed for our listeners, he's a um, military as, as well as I am. Um, he's a chief warrant officer, so a lot higher rank than I currently am. Um, but he was, he's in the same trade as I am. He's also artillery. Um, and one thing that we are going to get into is the Kingston cup, which is a very historic tournament or game that we play, uh, between a battery and B battery. And, uh, right now we're in Shiloh. Um, but yeah, sir, if you want to just kind of explain to our listeners what the Kingston cup is. Yeah, sure. So, you know what? So well, I was lucky enough to be a uh, part of one RCHA, uh, first race multi horse artillery in Shiloh for many, many of my formative years as a as a gunner uh, and and loved every second of it and, and frankly I'll probably retire out that way in, in the next while uh, and, and certainly one of the uh, the the hallmarks of uh, of the regiment 
is the Kingston, the annual Kingston Cup held on St. Barbara's Day each year on or around uh, December 4th. And certainly the Kingston Cup goes back to about 1873 uh, when A and B battery were formed as the first uh, regular force uh, uh, garrison units, uh, part of the, the, uh, the Canadian military uh, in 1871. And, and by the way, happy birthday uh, upcoming for 150th uh, anniversary uh, to, to the gunner community. Um, so yeah, so it's, uh, it goes back well, well, well beyond their years, well beyond Stanley Cup, frankly. And uh, it's, it's historical value to the Royal Regiment uh, is, uh, is beyond, and certainly to A and B battery, uh, annually getting a chance to, uh, to duke it out, if you will, uh, on the ice. And when I say duke it out, I mean in the literal and the figurative, uh, is always an experience because having been part of from both batteries, I had the pleasure of, uh, of being on the ice with some, some great people and uh, I was party to and witness of many, many uh, uh, robust activities on the ice. So I, I missed it, frankly. I, I was lucky to be at, uh, be at 2RCHA as the, uh, the original Sergeant Major there. And, um, and historically, although they have uh, the ability annually to celebrate St. Barbara's Day, they don't necessarily have that same mystique about it when it comes to uh, uh, buying for the, the Kingston Cup. And, uh, and, and certainly, I know that uh, I get the chance to talk to uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Hampton, whom uh, was my commanding partner in Petawawa. And uh, while we were at 1RCHA together, I was A battery and he was B. And to this day, uh, we, we, still, uh, we still have words about uh, who was the better of the two. And, and during my time there, it was in fact A battery. So I have that overhead. Anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, I think the first time it was uh, actually administered as a trophy uh, was in about 1927. I think uh, so. So certainly, yeah, it's it's historical value is uh, is quite significant for the Royal Regiment. And uh, and there's a couple of funny stories or unique stories, I suppose, about the Kingston Cup, where it uh, it went missing for a few years. And uh, and uh, folklore would tell us uh, that it was uh, in someone's basement for many many a year uh, between here, Germany, and the rest. And certainly now, thankfully, uh, resides back in the. Uh, in the showcase of one RCHA up in the canteen area, I do believe. Uh, so yeah, so you know what, uh, the, the, the Kingston Cup uh, represents a, uh, a, a unique piece of history to the Royal Regiment, uh, and it carries with it a lot of weight from when A and B Battery were first uh, formed uh, in Garrison Kingston on or about uh, October 20, uh, 1871. So, uh, so the significance cannot be uh, overstated enough, frankly. And, and uh, incidentally, there's been some, uh, some weird hockey players uh, playing the Kingston Cup. Uh, there's a couple of folks, uh, one in particular that uh, has just had his jersey retired over the course of the last couple of years at RMC, which is quite significant, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Steve, uh, Steve Malaski. Uh, and I'm, I'm aware folks like yourself and, and some others uh, through your hockey experiences and whatnot, uh, whether it's uh, high school, university level, or major, major junior hockey in Canada and major junior A, junior B players, have made their way onto the ice with the Kingston Cup. So uh, really miss it. And I know I'm probably rambling on and eating up your time here, but uh, it, uh, it's quite significant in terms of uh, annual sporting event uh, to celebrate St. Barbara's Day uh, between A and B battery annually uh, each year, pardon me, uh, out on the, the Gunner Arena here, out there in Shallow. So, so yeah, uh, great memories. I can, I can agree. I mean, I've, I've played in it twice. One year I was just on the bench and last year again, I, I guess I didn't really play. I played like, I think one minute of ice time in the whole game, but <laughs> it, it was still, it's still really fun. It, it's a really cool experience. I know, I know in the warm up I was shaking. I've, yeah. yeah, it was, it's, it's a, it's a different experience that anybody I think 
if you ever get the opportunity to play in a game like that, it's, I don't know how to explain it. Well, you know it's, what, uh, I would say that uh, uh, during my time there, and I'm, I'm not sure because of certainly of COVID and all the rest this past while and, and how you guys were able to bring in uh, family participation and whatnot, but uh, uh, I, I do have fond memories uh, of the whole regiment actually being in the stands. Well, whomever wasn't on the ice or prepping for the next game or maybe having a pop in the dressing room, uh, it, it was always quite, uh, quite cool to see uh, spouses and family members and, uh, and former members of the regiment retired and whatnot, and especially the kids with their little science and stuff. It's uh, it's certainly you know what for for those who have never played serious competitive hockey, it, it gives a uh, a lure of, uh, of of something bigger than probably you know what they're accustomed to. So uh, so quite the experience for sure. Even if you're on the bench, frankly, uh, you know what because uh, what what's interesting about the Kingston Cup, I would argue, is that uh, uh, the rivalry between the batteries doesn't go down to necessarily who has the most skill per team that goes down to the uh the the ability to get uh folks out on the ice and, and just be have that competitive spirit i mean skill and, and whatnot for sure but uh the whole gamut i mean goes from as i said earlier from folks who play the, the major junior caliber to folks who don't, don't even own their own equipment but they're all part of that team so it's fantastic yeah, exactly and it's, it's an it's an amazing experience yeah um and as well i guess we can also mention the intro that we didn't really mention you're you're an avid Habs fan. Very um, much which, so, yeah. So, so I, I, a bit over the top, I, uh, I'm known to turn a game off uh, towards the end of the third period if they're losing, and I'll just be done a bit. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I, I, well, it's it's a, probably a little over the top, but uh, but yeah. And it's not because I'm not so committed, it's because I'm just angry at the fact that they're probably going to lose, <laughs> and I don't want to see that. So there you go. Um, so kind of getting away from the the Kingston Cup and stuff like that, but going more into where just NHL things. For sure. Uh, this, year, this year's Habs team, they're looking really good. But let's go kind of more historic. What year did you really start getting into watching hockey a lot? Like, how, how old were you roughly? And then what year? Or so, not, not what year, but yeah, how so old great, were you roughly? Great question. You know what? I Without aging myself, I probably will with, with the answer to your question. <laughs> uh, growing up as a kid in, uh, in, in Newfoundland, uh, I mean, uh, it was a luxury to have colored televisions and whatnot. If you had more than one in your house, you were more than lucky and, and well to do. Uh, my father was a, uh, was a huge, huge Leafs fan. Uh, so of course, because of that, then we couldn't be on the, the, you know, the same side. So I actually chose Montreal because my father was a Leafs fan and that's how it started. So there was, <laughs> no, there was nothing else to it. That's as simple as it was. And, uh, and since then I, uh, I, uh, I've grown and fostered. I think uh, seriously became an, an, an addict uh, to the Canadians, when it was in the 70s, uh, and I got to uh, got to meet actually uh, a few of the, uh, the the great players from the from the 70s era, uh, 70s 80s. I mean, I got to meet uh, Ivan Conroye, got to meet Gila Fleur. Uh, you know, uh, it was fantastic times. Uh, I got, got to watch them actually play. Got to have the uh, opportunity to be at the uh, the not the forum. Uh, too bad. Got a tour there, but never got to watch a game. But I got to go to the uh, to the Bell slash Molson Center several times. Uh, so yeah, so uh, about the, the, the 70s is when I uh, uh, I was totally ingrained uh, within the, well, sorry, on the team. And uh, and ever since then, been a diehard fan. To, and, the, uh, to the point where it's a little bit over the top, probably. <laughs> ah, that's okay, though. It's, it's passion. You love the team. Yeah. It's, it's the way I think all Habs fans are, at least in my opinion. <laughs> um, did, so being watching the Habs from that long, I guess you've got to actually them win the cup. And yep. they, are, they are the last Canadian team to actually win the cup. Several times, um, actually, yeah. Yeah, I got uh, <laughs> the, you know, the, 
well, the 86 and then the old 89 piece and then the 91, 93 piece, you know, with, with the flames and whatnot back and forth. But uh, yeah, you know, and I, I got to see that for sure. Got to see Ken Dryden play. Uh, got to witness Ken Dryden play, pardon me. Got to see, uh, you know, the whole fiasco during that era, during the last cup with, uh, with Patrick and, uh, and then how that all uh, came to fruition, sadly. Uh, so yeah, so I, uh, I, I've, got some, I've got some great memories for sure. What, what do you think was the best cup run to watch as a fan? Like the most fun and entertaining run in the playoffs? Oh, you know, I got to say the whole Gretzky piece in LA for me. You know, yeah. what, uh, he he went to that piece with Dougie Gilmore with the Leafs, you know, with the uh, the high stick and the cut and all that uh, that drama that was going on with the non-call. And, uh, and, and then, uh, you know, uh, the whole Gretzky piece and, you know, and the Canadians and the, their history and, and, and the Kings even, uh, you know, for me, that was probably one of, one of the greatest memories in terms of a cup run that, that I can, you know, that, that, that is closest to. And, uh, you, you know, for me, it's, uh, that, that probably stands out. And, and probably because I'm a, such a diehard fan, but the whole Gretzky piece as well, you know, from the transition from the Oilers to the Kings and, and certainly uh, the, the other one too, of course, I mean, with uh, not coming out on the other end of it, but uh, the, the Flames and uh, the Flames run as well. But uh, I would say the Kings, the Kings run for me was probably the most memorable uh, for many reasons uh, because Montreal was, was, was great. And, and because the Kings were so close and, and the whole Gretzky piece and, and what he brought to all that as well. So, yeah. Uh, that is very fair. Um, and then I guess not also in that run, there was a stick measuring incident. <laughs> uh, the McStorney one? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Myself as a younger fan, I, I didn't really get to witness that. What was the media like after the game? The uh, Montreal media and then the, non, the non-Francophone Montreal media? Or the non Frank, the non Montreal media. What what was the media's vibe after that? Yeah, the uh, you mean the, the stick incidents or what are the 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 the, the tor- pardon me the run all large. I mean the 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 hockey media or the sports media in general in Montreal, as you probably know, they're they're more fanatical. I would argue. I'm not saying fanatical. I mean, not not necessarily in a bad way. I mean, fanatical in terms of their coverage and sometimes a little bit over the top. I mean, it's 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 almost a religion. I mean, uh, you know, the Canadians uh, in in the province of Quebec and, and certainly Montreal and the surrounding area. Uh, so uh, I mean, I don't want to get into the, to, uh, to to where I need to answer questions about bad mouth in the media or not so much bad mouthing, but uh, but but you know, trying to depict, depict their coverage. But uh, uh, with the thing with Montreal and Montreal media, when things go well, uh, things are well. When things are a little askew. Uh, I think they, the, the media will take that and certainly and, and at times over-exaggerate and then exasperate probably, you know, what's really going on. And, and the follow then from that is, is a reaction to that and then changes get made and coaches are making changes, players are being changed and trades are happening and, and sometimes uh, a lot of it is, is driven by the media, I would argue. But, but again, that's, that's just like a personal observation. Okay. But uh, just to say that uh, the overall coverage... Uh, the, 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 the sports coverage of that particular run uh, was, I mean, was, was borderline religious and fanatical. <laughs> um, now we're going to fast forward a bit to yeah. today's era. Um, what, what do you, how do you find the team so far this year? Obviously, we're off to a real hot start. Um, 
haven't lost in regulation yet. We tied the 1968 Canadians record for away wins. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, like, who do you think the your biggest surprise is so far then this year? Well, I think the biggest surprise is certainly is, is the, the composition of the team. I mean, I know Joel Evanston, uh, it's a uh, fun fact, name dropping here. Uh, Joel's brother played with my, uh, with my son and Brandon. And, uh, and I used to coach, uh, uh, be part of the coaching team for uh, Joel's brother, uh, Jesse Evanston. And I uh, know his family quite well. Great, great kid. Uh, I'm not sure he's the, the, the answer though on, uh, on, on, the, uh, on the back end yet. Uh, but I'll, although I'll give him credit for going, uh, for stepping up uh, the other night there against Myers out in Vancouver. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm quite thankful and grateful that Alan is back there as well, because I mean, we all, we all have our, our impressions of, of Kerry Price and, you know, and, uh, and, and how much he's actually committed and, you know, and he's invested and of course he is, but sometimes he, he's very carefree attitude is, is perceived the wrong way. I mean, he, he's a professional making a ton of money, uh, you know, uh, so we expect him to be that person. But, but I, I got to be honest with you, uh, his, his last couple of games, I mean, less the Montreal one, or sorry, the Montreal Toronto game, uh, where he played quite good the first game. Uh, the, was it the 5-4 loss out in Vancouver the other night? 5-4. Uh, yeah, 5-4 shootout. 5-4 shootout. You know, it's uh, a couple of those goals. I... Yeah, are questionable, but uh, but now we can come back with Alan, which will give Price the rest, probably both mentally and physically. Uh, I like Josh uh, Josh Anderson. I think that was a great trade. Uh, that whole Domi piece, uh, you know, at, uh, I I have no reservations at all about Domi. I mean, he's he's a good little player, but I, I think Anderson uh, gives you that power forward, that big grinding winger that's going to make people look and make people think when they go into the corners. Whereas Domi, as tough as he is, doesn't have that same. Uh, the same scare, if you will, from from the, from the, the defending players. So I, I'm overall pretty happy. I mean, uh, I think you know, from from the from the goalies out, uh, we're, we're pretty good. Uh, I mean, we, we we can still argue with centermen. I mean, I don't know if Joanne is uh, is, is is still going to be able to carry any weight. I mean, he only had his first goal the other night since last October, but uh, but I mean. He's, he's someone who uh, who concerns a little bit, but I think overall, though, from a team perspective, with the chemistry thus far, uh, they're so freaking fast. Their defensemen are big and strong. Uh, they can move the puck, and we got two uh, two quality goaltenders in the back end. I think we're uh, we're going to be pretty good this year. I, th I think speed, though, uh, up the middle for sure. That quick outlet pass, uh, speed up to the middle, up the neutral zone, neutral get the puck in. Strong wingers on big strong wingers on, on the you know on the sides along the walls, I think we're in pretty good shape. Yeah, that, that's a very fair assessment. Um, what are your thoughts on Alexander Romanov or Romanov? So Romanov, yeah, so uh, got his first goal the other night or last week. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, still uh, still a young kid. Still, uh, he, he's going to make some mistakes, but I think this one will need some, uh, some, some patience. I mean, uh, I, I go back to Mete a couple of years ago when he showed up, uh, and Mete doesn't have Romanov size yet. Uh, or will, frankly, uh, and Matthew was making some uh, some mistakes early on in his first uh, his first his first couple of seasons. So I think uh, the comparisons uh, between the two in terms of you know uh, jitters and whatnot will be made. But I uh, I like Romanov, like him much in, in the World Juniors, and, and I think he's going to be a uh, he's going to be someone to be contended with and uh, going to be a rock star back there. Uh, I just like like anything, 
because uh, uh, I think with with Roman Rockford, they've invested so much time with this kid that uh, that they have the patience and the wherewithal to let him grow into the position. Yeah, to to me, he almost looks like a very young uh, Markov. If you're gonna look at older Canadians. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's uh, if he's got the same size as Markov. Uh, you can correct me on that. Uh, right now, uh, I mean, he's still like he's 19 years old, 19. He's, years old. Yeah, he's 21. He's 21, yeah, and he's yeah, six so, foot. He's six foot two. Yeah, so he'll grow, but he grow into his frame, right? He's, right. He's still got some. Uh, he, he's got skin on his bones right now. He needs to get some meat on there. So yeah, and I, I agree. It's a great assessment. I think he's uh, he's probably a mark off in the making. And if, if so, great news. Yeah, I know yeah. Uh, Tevia Spa were calling him the next Scott Niedermeyer, but that's Tevia and. Yeah, you know what? That. That, that's <laughs> there's only a couple of people that can be associated with Scott Niedermeyer, and I don't know yeah. if he was there yet. You know, yeah. Uh, the you know they said the same thing about uh, 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 who was it? Uh, not enough, but uh, uh, it'll, it'll come to me. But uh, he, he was with the Leafs and then faded out to Philly. And uh, oh, uh, Shen, Shen, yeah, you Luke Shen, pardon me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, uh, it's. And now yeah, it's out of hockey, so well. Yeah, uh, no, he's in the he's a seventh defenseman right now playing for Tampa. Yeah, it's, but yeah, no, it's um, it's 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 interesting to see like how they always like kind of put a lot of pressure on a lot of these young guys before they uh, really make that big of an impact. Well, you know, um, what? So it's it's part of it was uh, uh, you know what? It's it's media driven. It's, it's sports news, sports uh, sports programming and whatnot, and sports entertainment that that drives that pressure. I mean, I can go back to, uh, and I don't know how many people you have following you here uh, that are out in the Brandon area, uh, you know, watching watching uh, the Wheaties play. And, and then even, you know, Midget, or Midget down to uh, to Adam Bantam and, you know, and then uh, whatever level, AAA, AAA, you, know, you, want, you want to talk about. But, uh, I mean, even then, kids 12, 13 years old are being interviewed and being, you know, being anointed to be going in the, in the next draft upcoming and stuff. And. I always thought that uh, that that's when things start, and uh, and the pressures then that you can put on folks at that age is, is ridiculous to me. But uh, but I mean, they take that now into Montreal, New York, or Toronto even, and uh, and then it's just compounded because now now you're you're kind of you know somewhat guarded at the early ages, but but now you're free reign, and uh, you know it's kind of like. Uh, Throwing a piece of meat with some blood on it into a piranha pool, and uh, you know I have that. Anyway, again, yeah. another, just another opinion. Oh, and that, that's fair. That's fair. That's why we brought you on for your your opinions on the Habs and all the hockey stuff related to that kind of stuff. Um, another young kid coming up that he's looking real good. Last year was rookie year. This year he's a sophomore. Uh, Nick Suzuki. Yeah. Um, he's looking like he's going to be our next number one center. Uh, do you like him so far? <laughs> I do. You know what? Uh, again, a little bit smaller, but uh, I mean, Joanne. So you got Joanne, you got Suzuki, and then you got Kokinami and. Well, Joanne's playing the wing now, I think. Yeah, yeah, I know, right. but I'm just saying, yeah. but they, they interchange, right? So they can. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest. Again, back to media and whatnot earlier, right? I mean, uh, you know, when Galchenyuk was in Montreal, that, that was a heartache. Every other day was about who was going to be the center, who's going to be the center. Is, is Joanne, is Galchenyuk, and so on. Just get uh, got, got ridiculous. But, uh, but Suzuki, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch his brother play at the, uh, the juniors, but uh, fantastic hockey player, you know what? And, uh, and, and from what I hear, too, and see, just an all-around genuine good dude. And, and I think he's going to bring a lot of, uh, a lot of energy and a lot of skill uh, to, to the team. And, and again, got that quickness. I mean, uh, I look at someone like him, then you kind of look at Marner. 
for me anyways. I'm not, I'm not saying he's Mariner yet, but uh, but uh, but I think he's got that 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 first second third step and he's gone. Uh, you know, just got that that speed. But uh, I like Suzuki a lot. Uh, I was a little bit concerned when uh, when his name came up uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, when Montreal and some other teams were, were uh, looking into the uh, the Dubois trade. Uh, and Suzuki's name was being bantered about throughout media circles and uh, Kokinami as well and, and, and some others. I'm like, you know, so happy happy to say uh, from my perspective as a fan that uh, you never pulled the trigger on that. And uh, and, and I think we're, we're better off for it right now. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, Suzuki, yes, he is. He isn't. His game is almost the same level as I think Dubois is right now. And he's two years younger. So I feel like he, he can get to a lot better player. Yeah, um, you're, you're right. They're, I agree. They're, they're calling him maybe a mini uh, Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> Which, for, <laughs> you know what? Uh, again, if you could step into, into uh, Patrice Bergeron's uh, skates and do what he does on a consistent basis, then I would take that over uh, Dubois any day. Of the I, week ever. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, and then another guy who's looking like he's this year, he looks a lot better than he did last year. Uh, caught Kenyemi. He had a good rookie year last year. Wasn't very good. He had a rough sophomore. He had, he had the sophomore slump as you would say. Uh, but then he went down to the HL and now he's back in the NHL and he looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, he looks, uh, almost looks uh, like he's put a bit of, put a bit of muscle on there and put a bit, yeah. a bit of beef on. So, uh, and you're right. I totally agree with you. The uh, uh, rookie year, yeah, you know what? He, he got a chance to few goals and he got some ice time. Sophomore year, sophomore jinx, he was, you know what? Uh, somewhat of liability at times. Uh, and now I think he's got, he's got a bit of confidence, got a bit of size, a bit more size, anyways. And uh, I know from sorry to direct you there. From last year to this year, he put on 25 pounds. There you go. Yeah. So I didn't know that per se by 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 the uh, the weight of the measure. Uh, something that's good, but I can just tell by looking at him that you can see that uh, that size difference. I mean, and it, it kind of goes back to what I said about uh, Romanov earlier, that six uh, one and skin over bones can put some meat onto that skin, and you know what, start filling out, and uh, they'll be better off for it. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree with your assessment for sure that uh, Suzuki by far is uh, is something to be uh, contended with, and uh, and Kokinami thus far, anyways, has proven that uh, he's bouncing back nicely from the sophomore year last year. So yeah. And then uh, moving on, another player in the Montreal roster, uh, Philippe Deno. Um, he re- rumor just came out that apparently he rejected a contract offer from uh, Canadians. Do you hope he stays, or what are your hopes for the whole Philippe Deno situation? Do you think <laughs> like? Yeah, you know what? I I'll be honest with you. I uh, I like his game too, but uh, but I, I I think you know uh, again the situation depends, right? Does it, is there a spot for him on the team, right? Uh, you know, overall going forward, and uh, um, you, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that, uh, uh, from my perspective, what I see, I mean, there's a consistency gap there as well, right? And I think you need to have the ability, uh, well, they all do, and, and certainly there will be nights when not everyone is on their A game, but uh, I, I don't know if Dan is, uh, is always the most consistent. Uh, you, you know, he's there, there's certainly areas to improve. In, in terms of, uh, you know, what you bring night in, night out. I get players take a shift off every now and again, uh, and some even a night off, frankly. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I would say that if there was value in, uh, in you know, in another player uh, of equal that, that would give you more consistency, then, then for sure something to look into. But by and large, you know, I, I, I'm not saying you put them on the bench, <laughs> you know, by no means. Uh, I'm saying that, uh, 
yeah, I, I don't know, if, and maybe I'm biased probably, but uh, from a consistency perspective, uh, that, that if there's someone else that uh, out there that, that could probably give you a bit more. But but all that to say, uh, I think so far this year, uh, you know, uh, he's not been in the way and he's not caused uh, the Canadians any games. So, you know, uh, roll with what we have for now anyways. Well, what are your thoughts? Uh, to me, I think I think he's one of the best defensive centermen in the league. But as far as offense goes, he doesn't produce anything. So I think he's a very good at like matchups and like taking the defense's own face-offs and like he's really well, he's amazing at face-offs. I think his his stat is like fifty-five percent on face-offs this year. Well, really that's so so that's I guess that's kind of my point where I'm going to is so so at the end of the day, I mean there are, there are third and a half, if you will, and fourth liners out there that that can give you that defensive coverage and, and play on the uh, on the PK and whatnot. Uh, and 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 they're out there, right? But uh, I find Dano probably could probably elevate that game, and uh, you know what? And, and and probably find himself some results if he if he had that consistency. But yeah, you know what? The, and, and maybe maybe there, there there's writing on the wall that says, you know what? You will always be, you know, a fourth or third liner, and uh, you know what? And you'll play a defensive gap coverage game for us, and and that's where we're going to utilize you. If that's the case, I mean, I, I don't know what Paul Julian was thinking, but if that's the case and that's his role. Then, uh, then I agree with what you just said. That uh, you know what, uh, you know, know your lane and stay in it. But uh, yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's one of the reasons why he actually declined the contract. I think he wants to try to become more of an offensive player. But I feel like he's been given the opportunity like last year was playing the first line, and he just didn't really produce that much. So. Yep, and I agree that it's, it kind of goes back, circles right around to what I was saying there about the consistent play, be able to elevate and 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 get up there and play with those guys with that speed and that. Uh, yeah. At the end of the day, not everyone has the same level of skill sets, and, and sometimes once you acknowledge that, and and you know what, and, and you, you're you're good with that, then off you go. I mean, I, I used to love Dale Weiss. I mean, one of my favorite players in Montreal. He really was, and, and he he was that that guy that knew his role. Uh, you know what? He was your fourth line guy, and uh, sometimes he was sitting on the bench, sometimes he was sitting upstairs, and and sometimes he was on the ice, and and you know, and knew where to be at. Uh, uh, Dano, I yeah, I mean, I mean his his ability as a defensive coverage guy is 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 certainly uh, uh, you know well documented, but but I agree with you as well that uh, I don't think he's uh, he, he's first well he's not first line material anywhere, but certainly he's he's you know arguably not not second line either in terms of his offensive skill sense. Yep, that, that, I agree fully on that. Um, now we're gonna jump into a bit of the defenseman. Um, obviously Shea Weber. He's a force, yeah. um, but they just resigned. Yes, he is. And they just resigned Jeff Petrie. Uh, yeah. Are you happy about that? Or are you kind of worried that they're going to keep him a little bit longer and hit the salary cap too much? No, I, uh, I, I think the worry is uh, in, in terms of money is the worry is with Kerry and, uh, and, and Shea Weber. I mean, to, to be frank with you, as much as the, those two are the soul of the team, uh, there's, there's an awful lot of money tied up with those two guys. Jeff Petrie, I mean, in terms of age and whatnot, uh, he's got years to give. His skill set is, uh, you know, it makes him one of uh, probably, you know, arguably anyways, top two defensemen on the team. Uh, so, so no, I, I have no concerns at all. I mean, uh, and he, he took uh, he took that trade from Edmonton to Montreal, resigned with Montreal, and uh, and I think he's dedicated to the to the team for sure. And I'm sure all the players to a certain degree are. But uh, no, I have no concerns at all with that uh, with the salary cap implication with that uh, with that signing. 
uh, again, as, as I said, uh, with Shea Weber's age and, uh, and, and prone to injury, uh, and, and that money tied up uh, for years in term is, uh, is a concern to me. Uh, I mean, Kerry at 10 million a year and, and you know, not the world-class goalie he was, uh, concerns me as well. But, uh, but as I said earlier in my preamble, that I, one of the things that make me happy about the team is, uh, is Alan being, uh, being there to be able to offset and augment you know, when, uh, when things kind of come off the rails. But back to your defensive point there, or question, yeah. Nope, no wishes. I'm, uh, I, I'm good to go with, uh, with Gatry. I like his game. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, make it to me anyway. Certainly he's uh, one of the top two defensemen on the team. And that's very fair. Um, now I'm just going to kind of talk about Habs history. One, one of the favorite, my favorite players ever to play for the Habs League that I kind of remember is this kind of when I got into it was when Saku Koivu, Alex Tongi, and uh, Alex Kovalev were aligned. That's kind of the era that I would have got into, the Habs. Yeah. And um, I just want, like, that era, do you remember the team that much, like when, the, when that was kind of the, the line? Or Absolutely, yeah. I remember Saku Koivu. Uh, I, uh, uh, in fact, uh, you know, being the, the first European uh, – uh, player, the, the captain of the team, and uh, you know it was kind of a kind of a moment for all of us. Uh, you know what, and then the whole thing with the cancer and stuff, and it's just very, uh, you know, from a fan perspective, you know, uh, he, he went through all that, and, and was a Saka wasn't a top tier guy, but he his heart and soul was was on the line every single game when he was out there. Uh, you know, uh, Alex Sangay, uh, same, you know, a, a good hard nosed player. Uh, sorry. The hard nosed, eh? But but give me that effort. Uh, uh, Kovalev, I'll never forget. Uh, I mean, Kovalev could stick handling the phone booth, right? But yeah. uh, there, there's a whole hard piece to that as well. I remember. I don't know if you remember the slash on the hand in the playoffs. You know where he went down like the sniper got him, and uh, you know what? And no penalty call. The who was it? Boston, I think. Was it Boston? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, it was Boston. Is yeah, it was either Boston or Ottawa. No, it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, and like, I mean, the way he went down, he should have had his wrist broken and, uh, and, and, and the next day he's good to go. So uh, that's my memories of uh, Alex Kovalev. But, uh, but watching him play, though, him to be serious in terms of a player, I mean, a skilled a skill playmaker, a goal scorer, second to none. I mean, I, uh, I, I seen him play actually in Montreal. Uh, uh, I was fortunate enough and uh, just smooth. He could... Uh, He's that guy that could skate on water and not make a ripple, you know, to make it, if I can uh, use a, a very, very uh, ill-advised metaphor. Uh, yeah, you know, with uh, Tange, for sure. I mean, uh, Chris Chelios even, uh, you know, uh, uh, from a defensive perspective, good hard-nosed, uh, you know, uh, with some offensive upside uh, capabilities defenseman. But uh, back to your trio there. Yeah, it's uh, that was that were, those are fun times. Yeah, no, and then that, I agree. That's that, that's when I would have started just kind of getting into it. Yeah, that was like my at least my earliest memory of really watching it. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I remember Max Pacioretty kind of coming in, which who yeah. eventually, yeah, yeah. And and I, this, I remember the Max era as well. Uh, I mean, I sadly I'm uh, you know I'm a Vero or Mario Trombley, and you know had had that that foolishness going on there. Horrible coach, uh, you know, with uh, with Patrick and and stuff. But uh, but yeah, you know that that era with those players, you know, Mike Keane and, and that gang a few years removed, probably. 
uh, you know, just a fun team to watch the play. Uh, yeah, and, and then of course uh, Max comes in and you know what, then uh, lights it up for a couple of years uh, and, and still letting it up in, uh, in Vegas, a hat trick last night. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we got Tatar and Suzuki for him, so. Yeah, well, there you go, right? So, uh, <laughs> but how did that go on? Uh, uh, who's that that kid at, at, at the forum there? It was all, had a couple of couple too many pops. I think he was on TSN. The Tomas Tatar piece. Oh, know. yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tatar. But yeah, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I mean, Max was slowing down in Montreal. Uh, I mean, uh Folks uh, were coming in behind him, and he was being pushed. And you know what? Uh, he had some injuries, and and I'm not sure during his time in Montreal, you know, the whole charity hit and stuff, uh, and that legacy kind of went on for a bit. But uh, you know what? Uh, I'll take Suzuki into Tara today in Montreal over Max, as much as I like Max. Yeah, no, and I yeah, yeah that's, that's fair. Um, and as well, looking at the kind of again more current players that Bergevin added this year. Um, Tyler Toffoli, he's looked really good so far in the Habs uniform. On fire, he's, right? Oh, on fire, and I'm, I'm excited by him. And looking looking at his number, he's being compared to a former Habs player that wore the same number. A lot of media are comparing him to uh, Michael Ryder. Yeah. So so let's hope not because Michael Ryder had one season. And hey, from <laughs> one Newfie to another, Michael Ryder had one good season in Montreal, and that was it. They went off to Boston and become uh, become irrelevant. Uh, yeah. No, Tafoli said, I, uh, uh, I mean, even out in Vancouver, uh, he, he was having a good, uh, a, a good run there. So yeah. I think, uh, I, I think, you know what, I don't think he can maintain the space that he's on right now, but, uh, but if he can, wow, well, what a pickup that is. But I uh, mean, in his career, statistically, well, if you look, if you look just at the stats and numbers, he's always been around the same average as Gallagher here. They were drafted the same year and they have like, their points are about before the season started, we're about two two points difference. They're the same age and everything. So if he can be a bigger version of Gallagher, I mean, I'm not gonna complain. I mean, absolutely, and that win win, right? I mean, you got you got Gallagher going around like a you know like a little pit bull, uh, and, and Tafoli getting goals left, right, and center from anywhere. You know, uh, in the offensive zone is it's win win, and and certainly uh, I, I thought to be honest, I mean, to you know, and. and you know, loving the Habs the way I do, I was like, ah, I was kind of iffy on uh, on Paul because you're right. I said, well, well, what's he going to bring us that, that Gallagher doesn't right now, or maybe a Josh Anderson? And and frankly, all three are, you know, uh, well, not, not even all three. Probably, I think Anderson and Toffoli are are, are are the surprise of that group right now. You know, from the offensive perspective. Yeah, and I, I agree, but like I think especially right now with the season the way it is, like the, all the back to backs and the in the short and in, in the depth. And that's also how Julian seems to like to play. Yeah. Um, he, he's able to roll, like, put whatever line out there and be like, yeah, this line's going to go. Okay, good. This line's going to go tonight. It was okay. back to what I said earlier about, uh, about uh, uh, Deno, is that that whole consistency piece, right? I mean, when you have the ability to be able to, uh, you know, to roll those upwards of four lines, if you will, and, and you got those two dominant uh, first and second lines to be able to go every other night, and mostly every other night, you know, when you have your, your back-to-backs, you know, you might need to change things up or you may, you may need to tweak things that, uh, I mean, you're getting goal scoring now from, from your top three lines on a regular basis. So, I mean, that's, that, that's pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Yeah. And it's exciting. I'm, this is the most excited I've been being a Habs fan in a long time, I guess, but lately it's also been kind of <laughs> hard to watch, hard to say the least since, uh, since we kind of got rid of Subban, it's been kind of sad. 
Yeah, you know, you're right. I Subban was. Uh, I, I I got to see him uh, uh, watch Montreal play. Uh, I was lucky to be in Phoenix a couple of years ago uh, when uh, Subban was still in Montreal. So it was more than a couple of years ago, obviously. Uh, it just seemed like a fun guy. I mean, on the ice, he was. Uh, I mean, Joe Moran, someone that he was. He was just a fun, jovial guy, and uh, I, I think though he's lost a step. Eh? I mean, I watched him uh, in New Jersey. I didn't actually watch games, see some of the highlights uh, this past last week, I think, and he's not that same. You know, for a well, from what I see, I, I don't see that same uh, get up and go that he had in Montreal in terms of coming out of the defensive zone. That skating, stick handling, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree on that too. I mean, I just mean like that when after that trade happened, it's kind of when the rebuild started happening in Montreal yeah. as well. Yeah. That, that's the only reason I'm saying it hasn't been fun since then because the rebuild started, it just happened to start at the same time. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah, you know what? I uh, agree, but I think, you know what? Uh, like any rebuild, I mean, uh, unless you're that team that uh, has that chance at the, at the Stanley Cup run where you just, you're just a one or two players away and, you're going to forego the rebuild for the present. I think Montreal right now, over the last couple of years, I mean, notwithstanding last year's run, uh, recognize that they, they they need to get some pieces as opposed to just the one piece. Um, and I think now we're in that position where uh, we're through Bergevin and, 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 you know, and the management team that uh, I, I think the dividends are, are now paying off and uh, and we see it uh, with the product on the ice. So, you know, you're, I agree. I mean, I love watching Subban play. I, I love him being an antagonizer and, you know, and all the rest. Uh, I love watching Max play, but uh, <coughs> excuse me. But but to get to the next level in terms of that uh, that that short, medium to long term build, I mean, pieces got to go, right? Plus plus it was a uh, you know a, a, a huge let's say a huge salary cap. It was kind of one for one with uh, with Shea and and, and PK, but uh, and I think really we're we're probably in the better position for it now. I'd agree with that too. I feel like Shea brings more to the table. He's he's more of a leader for that team. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge salary cap difference either. Like on an annual average, uh, what PK was making nine million, or I think Shea's making seven. But Shea's contract also goes to 2025, and Subban's over in 2024, I believe. So one extra one extra year, but at the end of the day, it's not not too big of a difference. Yeah, I guess over the term, right, with the difference between nine or seven and an extra year, it probably would always, or, you know, work out somehow in terms of numbers. But, uh, but uh, from the person, personal perspective, I think uh, Shea Weber gives you uh, much more defensively and maybe equally uh, offensively, I'm not sure. But, uh, but where you need your defense to be strong, obviously, right, is, uh, you know, in the defensive zone. And I think mm-hmm. uh, Shea Weber by by a long ways away is a better, is better defensively than that, that PK. Mm-hmm. And exactly. right. you still get that maturity, that, that leadership piece, that, that PK, you know what? Uh, I mean, hey, to be fair to him too, I mean, he was just a young kid in Montreal and he and Kerry were, you know, ripping her up and having some fun and, and, and whatnot. And sometimes that can work then on, uh, on folks, whereas Shea Weber is a consummate, you know, elder statesman professional, so. Yeah. Yeah. Now, probably the last, well, probably the last thing I'm going to ask you about, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you got to see the hit. Tyler Myers, he uh, had a little hit on jo- Yoel Armia. I did, yeah. Um, obviously, there was no suspension. There was a fight in the following game with Joel Edmondson. Um, so what do you think of the whole uh, scenario transferring? Do you think it was handled well by the team? Not really talking much about the media, just, you know, okay, we're going we're gonna to deal with it. 
Edmondson didn't really tell anybody. He just went out and fought the guy. Um, and then also, do you think the hit should have been suspendable or not? And do you like the NHL's explanation, if not? Say, you know what? I, I, I hear ears, and that's a great question. And, and I'll kind of finish up our, our whole piece here with my thought. Like, I, I get very frustrated. I got to be honest. I mean, I love old-time rock and stock and ho uh, hockey. But when someone gets hit, open ice, clean, open ice, cross neutral zone, someone gets stumped, and down they go. They're coming across neutral zone with their head down, and they get rocked. What does that need to be, you know, restored about the ice with a fight immediately right after by somebody else? I mean, the whole idea behind hockey as a contact sport, that's going to happen. So I, I, I never understood and don't understand why you immediately got to drop the glove someone after a clean hit. A clean hit is delivered and, and someone goes down and they don't get up right away. Now, conversely, if, if it's dirty, then, then you deal with it and there's ways to do that. Uh, whether it's penalty suspensions or right to go to gloves. Immediately or afterwards. Um, the whole Joel, uh, Joel and Tyler Morrison. Uh, yeah, you know what? That's uh, again. Sometimes that gets kind of, uh, you know, perpetuated through through various elements. Whether that's medium on that. Oh, there needs to be uh, a call. There needs to be justice. This and that. Uh, sometimes that's correct. I think, you know what? This particular hit. Um, Tyler Myers is, uh, you know, he's six seven. You know, Joel Armia is. Uh, the six six one, uh, give six, or take, six four. Pardon me. So you, you got a, you got three or four inches, probably more so. Maybe uh, Tyler Myers, maybe seven feet on skates. I'm not quite sure. But so so you got that uh, that 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 noticeable uh, noticeable pardon me height advantage. Uh, still though, uh, you know it's uh, I, I see him kind of drive the shoulder into the head. You know, I'm not sure if that's necessary. I'm not sure why you don't just you know what drive the body into the body where you got to lean the shoulder down into the head. Uh, which is how I see it. Uh, so, so that to me requires uh, some sort of an, a, an intent within the, within the mind to be able to do that. Uh, and, and I get the hate thing and people argue it all day long. Well, he's, you know, back to, to, to the chart. He's, he's taller and he, he's not aiming for the head. It's just that his shoulder is there. Well, I watched the Myers hit a couple times and I, unless I'm seeing it wrong, I kind of dips his shoulder down into uh, Armia's uh, head area and makes contact with him. So, so yeah, uh, I've seen folks suspended for less. Uh, yeah. So, so, so Joel, Joel says, hey, uh, we got to go and sort this out, and, and they do. Uh, I think personally, uh, and again, a little bit of bias built in here. Uh, Myers, Myers dips the shoulder, makes contact with the head, and there's no head contact allowed. Therefore, to me, that would uh, mean some sort of a suspension. That's my take yeah. on that. Then I agree with you on that. Uh, to me. It reminds me a little bit, but not fully, in the whole Chera hit on Pacioretty way back with the stanchion. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's a very good take on that. I, I agree on that. But now it's all, I guess, water under the bridge. But I was kind of curious to see what your whole take on that was because we haven't played really since that whole series. Um, big game on Thursday night against Calgary. It is, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess last thing to wrap it up, uh, what, what's your prediction going into the Calgary series? Uh, you know what? Uh, they're coming off a couple of losses right now to the Leafs, so... Uh... So, so they're going to be uh, fired up for Montreal. Um, I'm not sure if our, uh, I believe our May is, our May is back in. Uh, I think he was, he's on the ice today in Broussard practicing. Uh, he's on the ice, but he's not, he's not the confirmed play yet because he's still in the dark room and stuff. So. Yeah, okay. Um, and again, uh, go right into a physical game because it will be with Calgary for sure. I mean, he, uh, you know, Chuck, uh, you know, and uh, Mr. Bighead himself out there, number 17. 
Uh, so uh, I, I think I, I think probably they made error on the side of caution. Uh, although I didn't like Curry's game, got to be honest, in, in, uh, against Vancouver. I, I didn't think uh, I, he looked like, not looked like he was, he was, he was a step behind. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure if he fills that role. Uh, but, but in the interim, though, it is what it is. It's all you have. So, so we go. My prediction is, uh, huh. oh, man, I, I'm, I'm not liking the game, actually. I got to be honest with you. I, I just think Montreal's had too much time off. And I think Calgary are coming uh, in hot after two losses to the Leafs. And they're going to be coming out for some, some sort of retribution. But, uh, but being the stout fan, you asked a question. I'm going to go 4-2 Montreal. Perfect. And uh, I guess we'll see. We'll know if this is true or not. I guess this will air after the uh, game is played anyway. But <laughs> okay, okay, sounds good. <laughs> so we'll we'll know how uh, how our predictions turned out. I I think that's I think the first game. Yeah, I think it's going to be three one Montreal in the second game. I'm going to say two one Calgary and shootout. Yeah, so I got four, I got four two game one uh, with probably an empty netter Montreal. And uh, second game, yeah, you know what? Uh, depending on uh, on the goaltending situation, I'll go three one Calgary. That's fair. That's fair. Well, thank you again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, Liam. Uh, you know what? Anytime, my friend. I uh, had fun here. It was uh, it was great to talk about some of the gunner stuff and talk about uh, our our passion for the Canadians. And uh, I really uh, really appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, no problem. Thank you again. We appreciate it very much. All right, buddy. Have a good one. You too. And we're back. I hope you all enjoyed that interview, folks. Um, again, we like to remind you, donate to Hall's Haven. Uh, they're a really good border collie rescue. That's where we got, or I got one of my guys. Uh, they're a really good rescue. They do a lot for the community. Just the pandemic's been hard on them. So if you have any extra sense, you want to donate towards them, they would really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, they also have a cool calendar they send out every year. So check them out. All right. So we're back. Um, we'll go back to the trade rumors. Um, Sam Bennett, he asked for a trade. And this is confirmed. Nobody's denying it. His agent confirmed it. Uh, more rumors of that. He might be also involved with Vince Dunn or other places. What are your thoughts on the Sam Bennett being traded? Where do you think he ends up? Uh, we'll send it to Chad first because you're more familiar with the West and they are formerly a Western team. So what are your thoughts on that? I like Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett's a guy that he – it's one of the – underperformed for his draft position but isn't a bad player because he went top five so he should be you know a superstar but he's a good player second third line center as far as where he ends up this is relatively new I don't know where he's going to end up per se but I like Bennett I mean he he's someone that is just a pain to play against he gets a lot of pims I'd say that's kind of his his downfall is he is in the box a lot yeah but I, I like him as far as where he ends up I would have it's it's all weird because you say you're never going to trade in division but it's so much different this year because the divisions are shaken up that it would make sense Vince Vince Dunn that would theoretically make some sense but yeah I don't know Sam Bennett it, it reminds me of I mean it's a bad comparison because it's so easy, but the whole Milan Lucic, James Neal, not that they're the same player at all, but I like it because a change of scenery can do him a lot of good. I think he has flashes of being a good player. He's, you know, been a point getter in this league. We'll see what ends up happening. He scored 10 goals a few different times. Would have scored it last year. I mean, he can definitely help a squad. We'll see what happens. If I had to guess, I mean, St. Louis is probably the easy guess, 
But there are a few teams. I mean, Florida, Columbus, who knows? But someone's going to need them. So, yeah. yeah I'll have to fair. look more into that, though. <laughs> I could see him going to a team that's looking to make a deep playoff run. He's kind of like that gritty guy you want in the playoffs. He's a mm-hmm. he's a playoff performer, I think. He's, he's good at face-offs. He plays, he plays mean. He hits hard. Um, but that's also the style of a lot of guys in Calgary. Uh, I think Calgary is going to be one of the hardest teams in the, in the Canadian division or in the North division, sorry, uh, this year. Um, I think Toronto is going to, they're a really high speed skill team. So yes, they're going to like, I feel like Toronto will win a lot of games. So I feel like Calgary is going to be the biggest pain in the ass to play against in that division. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think wherever he goes, it'll be a team that's looking to make a deep playoff run. Um, so maybe Bruins, St. Louis, Tampa Bay. It's maybe? their mold. Tampa Bay, maybe if they want to add some more grit to the bottom of that team. Uh, Colorado as a depth plan in Colorado on the third line. Side note, Colorado's winning the Stanley Cup. They are so nasty. But we'll, we'll get to that later, I'm sure. Yes, we I just watched them absolutely dominate the Sharks. But Yeah, no, I, it's, it's very weird because, like, especially with the Canadian division, or sorry, the North division, the 14-day quarantine, I feel like, affects a lot of trades and, like, who they want to trade where. Mm-hmm. So, it's hard to say. I, I, normally, I'd say he's going to the States, but, like, Maybe they want to get the player back right away unless they gain some picks for him or they do some kind of weird three-way trade. It's really hard to say. Um, actually, speaking of Calgary, last night, Dylan Dubay, he had a high hit on um, on, uh, on Kakanyemi on Montreal. Um, I don't know if you guys seen the hit. No, no? I missed it. Okay. <clears throat> well, he. <sighs> some people are calling it dirty. Some are saying it's not dirty. There was no penalty on the play, so I'm going more on the side of that it wasn't dirty. My only thing I didn't like about the hit watching it was that when he did go, go for the hit, he raised his hands and like almost punched KK in the face. Who who wow. delivered the hit? Uh, Dylan Dubé. Let's see if I can pull it up real quick. Here, I'll pause All it right. right now. So now that you guys both have seen the hit, um, what do you think of it, Chad? We'll send it to you first, and then we'll debate. <laughs> I think it's debatable, definitely. I don't think it's a high hit, though. I, I don't think that a high hit in terms of, you know, suspension and a 10-minute misconduct. I don't think it's that. I think it's an elbow or it's a roughing or whatever it may be. But, I mean, the player whose name I absolutely can't pronounce from Montreal. <laughs> what is it? Kakaniemi? Yeah, just call him yeah. KK. KK? Uh, he turned – You actually said it perfectly. Oh, good stuff. The <laughs> broadcaster in me. But um, I always say I'm way better at the Eastern Europeans than the – than Eastern Canada. So I'm just better at, you know, that language than French, I guess would be an easier way to say it. But um, he, uh, he turned into it. You turn into it, you have your head down behind the net. I don't know what you expect to happen behind the net in the NHL, but you're going to get hit. Was the hit a little bit high? Sure. But if he doesn't duck down and turn, that's probably in the shoulder slash neck, which still isn't great. But I almost feel like watching hits like that, you can tell when it's intentional, intent to injure. You can tell when it's dirty. You know, if someone leaves their feet and launches themselves, I I think that was incidental. I think that's uh, caught in the wrong place, wrong time, turned the wrong way and caught it too high. 
that's, that's I, I, my take on that. I agree with you on that. Um, yeah. I think what pissed off a lot more Montreal fans too is that Montreal actually ended up getting a penalty on that play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough. That's tough. Which is like a little bit of insult to injury because he's like one of our best centermen and then, and then Montreal gets a penalty on the play for roughing. Which did did, a, did did he keep playing KK? Yeah, he's fine. He's yeah, fine. He, he's fine. Yeah, yeah. It, it was yeah. Just... I mean, it reminds me of like the, all the famous hits across the middle, where it's like you're looking back to receive a puck. Look up. Like, yeah. of course you're going to get drilled, and those hits yeah. look bad because they're complete. They're not expecting it, and so they're not braced. So they just get ragdolled, and it looks dirty, but it's not. It's just that yeah. you weren't prepared. You know, there's hits that are way harder than that in the corner with a guy braced up against the boards, but they're ready to get hit. I think that there's not enough attention paid to being hit as a two-way street. You know, you also can't duck down when you're getting hit and take a guy's legs out. That's also dirty. So if yeah. we're going to hold them accountable for that, you have to hold them accountable for everything. That is Kakaniemi's fault. You know, it's yeah. not his fault that he got hit high, but he shouldn't have turned and not looked. And of course it's easy yeah. for us to say that sitting here, but you know, yeah. it's uh, it's a split second thing. I don't think you can blame the person who hit him any more than the person who got hit. No, and I, I fully agree with you on that. Like I said, I just know there's a big outcry on social media. That's and and also Montreal Canadiens media that I wanted. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Um, personally, I don't think it was a dirty hit. Even though I am a Montreal fan, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. cry about it. I think it was a, it was a fair hit. I mean, yeah, like I said, it was more KK's fault. I just think it's funny that Montreal ended up getting a roughing penalty on the play because uh, <laughs> that is that is funny. Shea Weber went after him after the fact, and then kind of don't touch don't touch our star player. That's what Shea Weber does. You know, he's a captain. He's a big imposing force, which makes sense. Um, and then, yeah, it was it was just funny. And then like the broadcast team in Montreal trying to make it a little more dramatic after, like, oh, Cockney left the bench to go to the dressing room. But, like, this was, like, when they said that, it was, like, the period just ended, so they were already all walking to the dressing room anyway. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, the whole team's going to the dressing room, not just him. Good journey. And um, as we speak, I just got a TSN <laughs> alert that uh, Dylan Dubay will not be suspended for the hit on TSN. Yeah. So, Sounds you know. Sounds right. We kind of figured that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and at this point, I'm actually going to send it over to our second interview of the show with Meredith Zelberberg. I'm sorry if I butchered your name again. Uh, we had a great conversation with, um, with each other talking about the NWHL and the progress that the NWHL has made and uh, everything of the sorts. Um, and yeah, so if anybody does want to check out the NWHL, you can stream it on Twitch in Canada and in the States, I believe you can watch it on Twitch as well and, or on NBC, I believe is when they're, where they're also broadcasting in the US. So again, everybody check out the, NWH, the NWHL um, I've kind of got on the Toronto six bandwagon for, uh, NWHL teams, but yeah, I'll send it over to the interview right about now. All right, folks. I hope you all enjoyed that interview. It was a goodie. Um, again, we, uh, like to extend our support and our, to a uh, Hall's Haven Border Collie Rescue. And again, if you want to email them for any money, you can email them at admin at hallshaven.org. So again, Thank you very much. And uh, the sponsor for this, that interview is brought to you in part by Donnelly Mitsubishi in Canada, Ontario, 492 Terry Fox Drive in Canada, Ontario. If you want a good deal on a brand new Mitsubishi vehicle, go see Ben and tell them the Red Light Hockey Podcast sent you for a good discount. And uh, that is, again, 492 Terry Fox Drive in Canada, Ontario. 
All right, folks. So rookie report um, for the rookie stats right now. Um, as far as points go, Ty Smith of the Devils, he is tied for first with Kepril, Kirill Keprizov. And then you have Niels Hoaglander, Josh Norris, Pierre-Olivier Joseph, Keandre Miller, Pius Suter, Dylan Cousins, Gabriel Villardi, and Nathan Bastian. Um, any of these names stand out to you guys that kind of surprising you that they're doing really good? Kaprizov uh, is a monster. He yeah. the he plays for the Wild, and he is the best player that the Sharks have played all year, and I don't think it's even close. And he is all over the ice. It's it's almost unfathomable how much he is in the play. And the amount of times where it, it looks like he's playing a video game because he just ends up getting a puck on net. He'll throw a backhander from above the circles, and it'll somehow get on net. And he's just outrageous. And he's someone who had kind of been like almost like like in lore, like, oh, yeah, he's coming. He's coming. He'll be here. He's here. He is very good. So I like, I like him a lot. He's, I mean, barring anything catastrophic, he's got to win the Calder. I don't know. There's no one that's better than him. So I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard a lot about a lot of the other guys. Like Lafreniere had a slow start and all them. But other than Bo, uh, Byram from Colorado – who's also a really good rookie, Kaprizov's the guy. He's got to be. Well, there's Ty Smith, too, in New Jersey. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's seven. He has seven points as a defenseman, which is something that you can't shake a stick at. Yeah, um, definitely. And then there's also in Montreal, you got Alexander Romanov, mm-hmm. who he's not doing very like, outstanding points-wise. But as far as defensive play, he's been very dominant. He's, uh, he's averaging, I think, five hits a game. Um something like six to seven block shots a game. And he's averaging 20 minutes a game as a defenseman, as a rookie defenseman, which is pretty good. And he's always, he's very good in the stick and positionally. So, but as far as the Calder, I, I agree with you. I think Kaprizov is in the running right now. Um, but here's my question for you guys. There's been a lot of argument online about Kaprizov saying that he shouldn't have, be winning the Calder and everything like that because he played too long in the KHL. Um, he said that? I, no, not him. Like people oh. on, you know, the, the, the Facebook people. Yeah. So I disagree with that statement, but I want to know what you guys think about it. Do you think he's going to, do you think they should change the call the rules because of the KHL or not? They already did. Didn't they change it in the 90s when Makarov won? When yeah, he was like changed, 30? Yeah. Changed, you have to be under 26, so 25 and under. Yeah, yeah I fine. mean, I, did I Panarin won it too after the KHL, did he not? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you need to say there. It's his first year in the NHL. I don't that's care how a, old you are. It's a massive jump. Yeah, that's the way yeah. I see it too. But apparently they don't recognize the KHL as a major league. Is that the issue that people a lot of, a lot of people have? It's only the second best league in the world, third if, unless the AHL. But right, like yeah, so like because the rule for the for the call there is there can't be more than I think six games played consecutively in a major league. Oh, oh, and they don't recognize the KHL as a major league. Oh, that's so ridiculous. That's, that's, that's why. Okay, that's why KHL players that come over can win the Calder. Yeah, what do they consider? What do they consider a, a league then? NHL, that's it. 
Oh, so <laughs> why is that rule even in place then? <laughs> like that doesn't make a lot of sense. I, but, well, they, they, they made it that way because before when they had the WHA, is when the rules. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So sense. if you play the if you if you won Rookie of the Year award in the WHA, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be eligible for the Calder in the NHL. Yeah, but then yeah. they just never changed the wording of it. In, in other yeah, words. I mean you have Panarin at twenty four, <sighs> Raycroft at twenty three, Evgeny Nabokov at twenty five, Chris Drury at twenty two. There's a lot of guys who win it that are older. Yeah, I don't I mean, think you can really blame him for playing at home and doing what he was going to do. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't. What are you going to do there? Come on now. Yeah, I mean, like he's still a rookie to the NHL. It's his first year of competition exactly. in the National Hockey League. That's the way I see it. It's not like he's a. Yes, he's not a rookie to pro hockey, but he's still a rookie to the National Hockey League. And that's he just didn't the come over every year and play like twenty games each, and then leave back over to Russia. He this is his first NHL year. Like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's pretty much it. Um, and then last segment for today. Well, hey, is... Hoglander. Watch Hoglander. All right. We will. Is he on Boston? Is that why you said no, that? No, he's uh, Vancouver, actually, Vancouver. ironically. Okay. Yeah. Watch yeah, the Hoglander, only other guy, The only other guy I have to watch actually just got reassigned to the AHL. But John Leonard, late-round pick for the Sharks, went to UMass. He is going to be a problem in the NHL one day. Yeah. yeah. He, he, they were hyping him up like crazy, and then I don't know what happened. Like, for – a couple days I heard about him and then didn't hear about him again. I was like, he oh. had a, he had a really good first couple games. I think he got a point his first night and then had a point a second night, but they, he had a fit and then they kept changing all the lines around. So he ended up, he was on second or first line first night. And then he ended up third and fourth line and he got reassigned. He has to grow. He definitely yeah. has to grow a little more, but he's going to be good. So, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he ends up being. But um, that's just the sharks in me. So, yeah, that's that's very fair. I mean, at the end of the day, we are a fan first podcast, so we're allowed to cheer for our teams. We try to be as unbiased as we can. That's why we have fans from all different parts of the world. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, last segment for today is a debate I've been having with a friend of mine out here. Which division do you think is the hardest, or which one do you think is the weakest? Looking at divisions, um, he. Keeps telling me that the North is the weakest division in all the NHL. I disagree with him on that one. Um, but yeah, so that's why I kind of want to have this discussion with you, just to kind of see if I might be just out to lunch and thinking that the North isn't the weakest. Um, but yeah, so we'll start with who do you think the weakest is, and we'll work our way up from there. All first. The week the North is in that discussion. I think it's either <clears throat> going to be the Central or the North for the weakest division. But because the North outside of Toronto and Montreal, the other five teams aren't like you don't think of them as like, oh, like they're the only Montreal and Toronto are the only two teams that I think are locks for the playoffs, regardless of what the divisions were going into this year. Right. Like if the division realignment didn't happen. I would have said Montreal and Toronto are definitely making the playoffs, but all the other teams like Vancouver had a good year last year, but lost their goalie and, you know, had a lot of guys kind of play above their expectations. And that just doesn't usually continue. And the other teams are, I mean, Winnipeg, you never know what you're going to get. Edmonton are perennial underachievers. Winnipeg is Winnipeg. I don't know. I think the North is up there, the central also, but the North, you can't argue the top two in the North might be the top two almost in the NHL. 
in terms of talent. So that's what makes it hard, but it's, you know, that's, that's my take on it. I, I, if I had to pick one, I'd probably, it's tough. I'd probably pick the North, but I don't know actually, because in the central, I really have is the lightning stars hurt. No. Yeah. I'd pick the North. I'd pick the North as the weakest division, but that's me. I'd pick probably the West as the weakest. I don't think you can pick the West. You have St. Louis, St. Louis, Colorado, and Vegas. Right. But then after that, everything is very weak with the, like, or mediocre. Yeah, I mean, but if, if you have the Maple Leafs and the Canadians, <clears throat> if you take those two versus the three away from the West and the rest of the division, if you put all those teams in the division, the West is going to win that division, I think. If you put the remainder of each division, right? So you take the five teams that are good out of those two divisions, put the rest of the teams in a division, the West is going to win that division, I think. But that's, you know, I'm not, I'm not, the bottom of the West is worse than the bottom of the North. That's, that's my giving point. you that's, that. Yeah. I'm giving think, you that. But I think like the, the North, like looking at it, excluding Ottawa, like Calgary, Edmonton, Calgary and Edmonton, they probably would have won the West in normal times. Cause they would have been in the West other than uh, Vegas. Like all the, like uh, Minnesota is not normally there. St. Louis isn't there, and Colorado is normally in the central. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so then, yeah, I think if you were going to use that argument, I think Calgary, the top three in the West would have been Calgary, Vegas, and and the Oilers with the Canucks maybe in the four, in the wild card. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't put the Oilers in there, but I agree with the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's why I'm saying like every team in the North in the respective division probably would have been in one kind of a playoff spot. Yeah, but I don't think that's a fair assessment because the Pacific in that in that scenario, the Pacific is by far the worst division in hockey. If, right. if you take out those three teams, they're by far the worst. So, of course, the Oilers and the Flames are going to win that division. Right. But where the argument is with the three teams that are also really good that you're bringing in. Um, right. So, I don't know. But I think it, like the, the problem is, so like the two Western divisions, so the North, the North and the West are that – they'll end up playing each other in the playoffs before they go to the finals. I think the West as a whole is very top heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of like top heavy teams and then yeah. the bottom, whereas the Eastern team, the two Eastern divisions, so central and the East are more, they're more well-balanced. Like, yeah, I think we can all agree. The Eastern division is probably the hardest division out of them all. Oh, for sure. Like there's not, for sure. yeah, there's not one bad team in there or, mm-hmm. <clears throat> And there was supposed to be two. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if the Devils keep playing like this. Yeah. yeah. But you know, not even great, but just if they keep competing every night. <laughs> Again, this is going to, this, this type of game is going to throw a whole wrench into everything because right. of how the yeah. series are. It's going to be so much different. It's a, so it's it's almost, a very baseball like schedule. Yeah. It's almost hard to even judge it. Like, right. it's hard to even say because it, it's just, this season is going to be a standalone its own thing because yeah. it's just so different. I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. Well, and if yeah. you're Calgary right now, you're, you're six in your division. Do you go into, if you keep there, if you stay there, do you go into rebuild or are you hoping that next season is going to be better for you? Or do you See, go out six, and buy stuff? They're six in the division, but they, still, they have two games in hand from the first place team. or something. Yeah. Three, three games in hand. Sorry. But, but, it, but this, I'm saying if, if you stay there, what do you do in the offseason? Because you're going to go back to your own division. Are you, 
Are you going to base it off your ranking or? So much is going to be shaken up with the expansion draft and with how many players are going to move this off season. I don't think, I think GMs, a lot of guys are kind of sending this year in. Not obviously not the competitive teams, but the middle tier bottom teams, like pretty much everybody except for the two or three teams that you know are going to compete for the worst record in the league. I think they all stand pat because this just isn't a year you can judge. What are you going to judge? It's completely different. So if you're Mm -hmm. Calgary, I mean, you're not going to blow it up because you come in sixth in a good division or in a decent division. Like, I don't know. These divisions, though, aside from the East being the best, they're all pretty good. Yeah, I think that's something that should be should be mentioned. Yeah, you know, if you take the best team, they're all going to be pretty good. I feel like maybe the Central might be one of the weaker divisions. Yeah, that's what I said. I said either the Central or the North, but because the the Central Central is their average better. But. Yeah, because like they have Tampa Bay in Florida or Tampa Bay in D- Dallas, who are the top teams, and then mediocre they got the Blue Jackets and the Hurricanes, and Florida. I, I think I you could Florida, add Florida, Florida yeah. yeah. But then after that, like Chicago and Detroit, just bring the whole stock of that of that division down. Yeah, <laughs> like they yeah. like like uh, we also had Jay Onright come on. Uh, he'll, he'll be on next week for our listeners, um, but. For the North, he also like mentioned like it's probably going to come down to winning the division is going to be like who can beat Ottawa the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how it is. Like in American baseball, which is also you know one of my favorite sports, they they do the top top third, middle third, bottom third, and your record against the bottom third has to be outrageous to be a good team. It, it, and that's it's honestly more important splitting versus Ottawa versus going two and zero versus Ottawa is going to be. What wins yeah. that division? Quite literally, yeah. Because yeah, also, God, oh, I was gonna say it's, it's a very baseball-like schedule this year, which I, I love it. So mm-hmm. I, I like I like watching American baseball. I'm a huge Yankees fan, <clears throat> but don't come for me, guys. I know I'm Canadian. I'm supposed to cheer for the Blue Jays, but I'm a Yankees fan, so I don't care. Um, if you're going to go at Liam, please do it on the Instagram, not the Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, no, I it's, it's hard to say. I feel like every division is pretty well balanced with the exception or like have good teams and bad teams with the exception of the East who are just all good. Mm-hmm. Like who would have thought the Islanders would be in second last place in that division? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Or like the Rangers even like there's a lot of hope last, for the Rangers coming into the year. And they're in last place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it'll be, it'll be an interesting season. It, and the thing is, it wouldn't shock me if we had 10 games left and it looked exactly like this. Five points from last to first. It wouldn't shock yeah. me at all just with how everything's going because, you know, it's funny being a fan of one of the teams that's performing poorly. you like, you know, and, you know, especially because the Sharks have been so good, like, overall for so long. You kind of know, like, okay, yeah, this is definitely a playoff team. It's the, pretty much the first time in my life where I've been like, eh. Yeah, we don't have it. This just isn't gonna. This just isn't gonna work this year. But um, yeah, seeing some other like Colorado, I don't know what Colorado did, but they somehow set themselves up where it seems like they have a six or seven year window where they're going to compete for a cup every single year. Yeah. So I'll be happy to get them out of the division for sure. But it all starts with Matt Duchesne. Yeah, Colorado man. <laughs> I don't know how they did it. They had Kale McCarr, and then they had, like, six more Kale McCars in the system. I just don't – I don't understand it. I remember the Barracuda got a, a right-handed – a right-shooting defenseman, Nicholas Malosh, from the yes. – from the uh, 
he was on team Canada for a juniors, I think. And a good defensive defenseman. He's still on the team, made his NHL debut this year. But I remember I, I interviewed him and he was talking about, you know, we had too many right-handed defensemen in the system. And, you know, you draft a guy like Kale McCarr, obviously he's going to play. And he just kind of became unhappy with the situation. And he's like, yeah. And they have a whole bunch of guys in the system too. And I was like, oh yeah. Okay. And, yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> they have a whole I mean, bunch of guys in the system. Like I said, it all, it all starts with Matt Duchesne. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they got they traded Matt Duchesne for to Ottawa with a three way trade I think with yeah with <clears throat> Nashville. No, that was was Nashville in, the, in that trade or was it a different one? That was Nashville. Yeah, so with Nashville, so Ottawa and Nashville got Calturis I think, and then Ottawa yep. got Duchesne, and then Colorado just got a bunch of picks from both teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which then proceeded. Colorado, to becoming, Colorado was plucking them. We'll take this one. We'll take that one. Yeah, we'll like some of yeah. these. So those picks became Bowen Byram and Kale McCarr and then others. Yeah. And Ranton, I think Rantanen as well was also in that pick. So I, I feel like both Ottawa and Nashville uh, lost in that trade. <laughs> yeah. Time will but, tell, yeah. of course. But, I mean, you have McKinnon there for a team-friendly deal for a while. That team is going to be hard to beat. Yeah, they no they need sure. to find better goaltending, maybe, or at least stay healthy. But you know they're gonna put up five goals a game. Rantanen's pick was not part of that. No, okay, no. So yeah. I am wrong. I'm sorry about that, listeners. I'm wrong. I'm an idiot. I'll, I'll take the blame. But yeah, thank you everybody for listening. We appreciate it, and we all hope you have a good week. If you want to reach out to us uh, again, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I don't check Facebook that much, but Instagram and Twitter are the top two. Uh, thank you all for listening. And again, we'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, Donnie Mitsubishi, and of course, Health Haven Border Collie Rescue. Please support them. Reach out to them on Facebook. Email them again. Uh, yeah, we really appreciate that. Thank you again, everybody. Have a great week.